Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca and on your preferred podcast player of choice, it is your man DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Indeed, indeed. Tell a friend and tell a friend that we're live on the airwaves, and we have a jam-packed show for you guys tonight. Man, I'm going to be talking about <clears throat> the controversy that Daniel Caesar got himself in this week when he defended uh, Yes Jewels, and also kind of speaking on black sensitivity. We're also going to talk about the, the merger between Fox and Disney becoming finalized this week. We're also going to be talking about a little bit uh, of Lee Daniels, as well as Jordan Peele and his new movie, Us. But before we get into all that, you guys already know that I got some stuff to get off my chest. So with that being said, I think it's time that we appropriately let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Uh, before I get started on that, that is brief, man. I gotta give a big shout out to uh, my sponsor. Uh, I gotta give a big shout out to Live in the Six. All right, Live in the Six is a blog in Toronto, of course, that talks about a myriad of different things. So whether it's lifestyle, fashion, entertainment, right here, this guy. Um, they talk about it all, man. So if you want to get your daily dose of what's happening in Toronto and the thoughts, views, and opinions of people based on different genres of life, essentially, make sure you go to liveinthesix.com. So shout out to those guys. As well, I got to give a big shout out to my man, Andrek Rose, a.k.a. Shaka, who is one quarter of the very popular podcast, No Hard Feelings. I was on their show uh, this past Monday. They released the podcast this past Wednesday as well, so I've been sharing it on my social media platforms as well. So big shout-outs to those guys. Shout-outs to, uh, shout to Nate. Shout-outs to Jay. Shout-outs to Scripps, who wasn't on that episode, but uh, shout-out to him nonetheless. You guys are the truth. And honestly, if you guys haven't listened to the show, it's very no-holds-barred. It says it all in the name of the podcast. They hold no punches. It's great. I recommend you guys listen to the show, especially the episode that I was on, because, you know, I have to bring that real. But nonetheless... Uh, give their podcast some play as well. Uh, big shout out to them, most definitely. Um, I think their season finale will be next week, actually. Next week. So this coming up Monday, if you're listening to this live right now, it will be this coming up Monday. So make sure you check that check that podcast out. And check out their past episodes, too, if you're not familiar with the brand. But anyways, let's get to it. So the first thing I want to talk about on tonight's show, and also for the Let That Ish Breathe segment as well, is... We got to get into Just Hilarious. Now, for those of you who are unaware, Just Hilarious is a comedian by way of social media. So she kind of made her name uh, on Instagram, made like ske- like little one-minute sketch videos and just little opinion videos. And then that's essentially how she got popular. And I don't know if this is for certain, but I believe she's also a cast member of Wild and Out. I've seen her on a couple of clips. I don't know if she's an actual cast member or if she just happens to be a guest on the show. But either way... Her name is starting to get out. Now, she caught flack this week because of a video that she posted online. 
<clears throat> pardon me, with her being on a plane, and she made some insensitive remarks towards four individuals, not to their face, but on her social media video, about four individuals who were dressed in Sikh fashion. So they were of the Sikh faith, but she profiled them essentially by calling them Muslims and essentially said that she did not feel safe on the plane. So I don't know how quickly soon after this video made its rounds on, on the internet, but shortly thereafter, these four individuals were told to get off of the plane. And they evacuated everyone off of the plane and told them that they could not re-enter the plane, those four individuals. So a lot of people started giving her flack for it. And so she went on social media defiantly, and I'm paraphrasing, mind you, but she basically stated that she didn't feel safe. She stands by what she did and said. And she also pointed out that people are mad at her because she's not like other black people. And she's not going to stand by every single thing that black people are offended by or in favor for, et cetera, et cetera. And so, with that response, she got even more heat. And a lot of people were speaking on it, especially people who were of, you know, somewhat of a higher social platform, so to speak. And so, later on, during, uh, I think during that day that it was posted on the internet, she also went on to say that, um, you know, I didn't mean any disrespect. You know, I don't want to disrespect the Muslim community. I have people in my family who are Muslim, but I didn't know what different types of Muslims there were, so teach me. And uh, what else did she say? She said she said a few other things as well that, that aren't coming to my mind right now. Um, but basically, when I read all those statements and even saw the video itself as well, I said to myself, this is racial profiling. And just because you yourself are a person of color doesn't mean that you have the right or the authority or the, the privilege, quote-unquote, to mock somebody else's religion or, or ethnicity or whatever the case may be just because you don't feel safe or just because you are a person of color as well who feels you can do that because other people have done it to you. And I think that's the, quote-unquote, moral high ground that she's trying to take or that she thought she could take. Because of that fact. That's what I suspect. And some people are saying, oh, well, maybe it's just part of her comedy bit. It, it, definitely, it definitely was not. Because had it been, there would have been no need to have such a defiant response to the backlash and criticism that she was getting. In fact, if anything, if that was a comedy bit, then she could have just said, you know, following the tweets and, and backlash that she got, she could have just said, listen, guys, it was a joke. Don't get your panties in a bunch. It's not that serious. Boom. If it really was a joke, she would have just said that. But no, she was very defiant in her response. And she was very defiant because of the fact that she was being ignorant and she knew she was being ignorant. And with the whole Muslim thing, I mean, first of all, it's Islamophobia that she was displaying, first and foremost. Let's get that out of the way. Secondly, this just heals off of the... Off of the... Uh, the terrorist attack that took place at a mosque in New Zealand. Like, we're not that far removed from that. So the fact that she did that, and that catastrophic event took place, learn how to read the room. I'm not saying that it's nice to make those jokes on any given point in time, but at least read the room and know what type of setting you're in. I mean, did she feel? Did she not feel safe because of those events uh, that took place in New Zealand? And even then, if that were the case, it wasn't Muslims who were responsible for that attack. It was... Somebody who is basically is, is an Islamophobe who basically made that attack on Muslims in that, in that terrorist attack.
So, again, like, there's no excuse that this woman can put out to the internet or anywhere else that could justify her actions. And thirdly, those men that got kicked off the plane, they weren't Muslims, they were Sikhs. Again, so it just goes back to social ignorance. Just because they're wearing some, some sort of head garment automatically means that they are of one religion. No, two completely different faith groups. <sighs> Honestly, this is my thing right here. And this goes back to the privilege or thinking that you have the privilege of saying something because you are of a particular group. There are some black individuals, I'm going to say some, not all obviously, but there are some black individuals, could be even a vocal minority of such, who feel as though they can say anything they want towards any other ethnicity because their ethnicity and their race as a whole have been through some catastrophic moments of their own. I mean, we don't need to go into the whole history of slavery and what have we, we know the history of it. And they feel as though because of that and because of certain actions that are still taking place today, they feel as though they are entitled to say ignorant comments towards other people of color or other uh, religious groups or whatever the case may be as well. And if you are somebody who constantly fights for equality, who constantly fights uh, for the end of discrimination, or at least just for the lack of it, but then you turn around and then you make fun of another ethnic group, you know, and to the point where it's harassment, in this scenario, where you got four people kicked off a plane because you mistook them for another religion, it still doesn't make it right, well then, you're doing what other people are doing to you that you don't want. So how does that make things right? And there are people like Jess out there who are exactly of that mold and of that form of, of that vocal minority, if that is the case. And I think we need to see less of that in society. Like, if we really want equality, then we have to treat each other as equals, and we have to figure out what makes all of us equal with one another, whether we're from a certain ethnicity or religious background. And I think she clearly missed the point with that. She missed her mark. So all these responses and the fake apology that she gave, it just shows that she's very insincere about the situation. And there are other people like her who are very insincere about the situation. And this isn't a thing where you can hide behind the moniker of being a comedian. No, because if that were the case, you would have just said, guys, it was a joke. Whatever, whatever. You could have just said that, but you, those were your natural feelings towards the situation. So that's all I got to say about that. What do you guys think? Hit me up on social media on all platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. After the commercial break, or after the break in general, rather, we are going to discuss Daniel Caesar. He got himself into a bevy of controversy this week. So we're going to go in on all of that. So keep a lock. This is Cool Radio, and we will be right back after these messages. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Now, time for the main event of tonight's evening. So, Daniel Caesar, Toronto native. I just want to point that out there. Toronto native. Shouts to the six. Um, he made some headlines this week, but for the wrong reasons, unfortunately. So, he made comments via Instagram Live about a situation that occurred with a, I'm going to say socialite by the name of Yes Jules. I don't know what her exact title is. Some people call her influencer. Some people call her tastemaker. But I literally just heard about this woman like a week ago. So, I'm going to call her a hip-hop socialite. That, I'm, I'm going with that title. But essentially, what happened is she went on a podcast that was hosted by Murder Mook, 
and she made comments about certain people that she felt were dragging her name in the mud. So she went off and mentioned um, uh, blogger and, and journalist Karen Civil, and she also did the same with on-air personality Scotty Beam. And those are two people who have basically worked their way up the ladder within hip-hop, within the hip-hop media circuit, and have made names for themselves on different platforms uh, from one end to the, uh, to the other. So she made some comments about them, and she apparently has been known to make comments, disparaging comments about black women in the past as well, and has felt, has deemed it necessary, or has given herself some sort of entitlement to make certain comments about black women and black culture as a whole. She really caught fire for a post that she that she put up on Twitter or some sort of social media platform, basically with a shirt that said, niggas lie a lot. And she asked in the caption, can I wear this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and she also kind of caught flack for calling out Joe Budden as well in that same interview with Meek Mill, or sorry, with uh, Murder Mook, pardon me, about something about her, about him wanting her so bad and how she had to help him return a $400 pair of sweatpants. Something crazy. I don't know. It was, I, I, I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast about that, and that's what I got from it. But anyways, essentially, she's a bit of an instigator, a troublemaker of sorts, and a lot of people are alleging that she has slept her way to in the industry to get ahead within the industry. I don't know how much of that is certain, but that's neither here nor there. So, essentially... She has become somewhat of a of an irritant amongst you know the black community within hip hop. So Daniel Caesar decides to take it upon himself to defend Yes Jules because she was getting so much backlash from people in the, in the industry as well as people on social media as a whole. And he starts to ask questions like, oh, "Why why are we dissing Yes Jules? Why why the black people always seem to be so negative towards white people?" And that's where things kind of took a bit of a left. So he was making those comments, um, and this is all over Instagram Live as well. And a lot of people were not happy with the fact that he was making these comments in defense of, of Yes Jules. Afterwards, he also stated that black people are racially insensitive when it comes to certain moments. And then he also made the comments that black people should also be working with white people or other people outside the community and that they should join the winning team. Uh, he said those comments uh, as well as black people should have, you know, the ability to get over certain things as well. So while he was saying this, he kept on prefacing all the statements by saying, I'm drunk, guys, I'm drunk. So I have a feeling he knew he was going to say something controversial or that he knew he was wrong or whatever the case may be. Uh, but I'll get to that in a second. So what I want to get to is this first. So let's go to the Jules or the Yes Jules controversy. So in regards to that, I'm going to say this. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but everyone is also entitled to receive backlash from said opinion. With that said, I think what... Caesar has to understand 
is, and I'm not sure if he knows the full context of that story with Yes Jules and everything and everyone else. But what he needs to understand is that it's very problematic to defend somebody that doesn't really care about the people within your culture. And I think that's one of the bigger things to take away from this whole fiasco. And again, I don't know if he knows the full story, but you can't defend a person who basically bastardize and and contextualize women within your community as people being below her. And all the reasons that she made in disrespecting black women came from a place of pettiness from what I understand from all the interviews that I've listened to to try and gather up all the facts and the, and the information. It just seems very petty. I mean, at one point she said, you know, black women hate on me because I'm a white girl. I'm a skinny white girl with a big ass. And how I'm allowed to say the N-word because I'm Puerto Rican. And therefore, me being Puerto Rican makes me say makes me allowed to use the N-word. No, you're only allowed to use the N-word when you are of immediate black... If you're part of an immediate black ethnicity. So, if you're like half black and half white, cool. If you're Ghanaian, cool. If you're Nigerian, cool. If you're black American for like from like five generations down, cool. Even if you're a Latin Caribbean, but you have immediate black in you, like one of your parents is full-on Afro-Latino, like Dominican, for example, and the other parent is Costa Rican, cool. Like, all those things make sense. But, like, if you're, like, if you're a Latino in general, I mean, you know, I don't want to get into another debate. Like, that's a whole story for another day. I don't want to ramble on about that. The point is, you can't find entitlement in, in those areas. So, going back to Daniel Caesar and his defense of, yes, Jules, I think it was misguided. I don't know, I obviously don't know the individual person in regards to, to Caesar, um, but I think he should have done a bit more or a lot more research on the whole situation before he had an opinion on that. Because I get it, some, some people will hop on a headline out of nowhere just for entitled outrage, but knowing what the story is about, the outrage in this scenario is warranted. And to side with a person that disrespects the women that are within your community is very problematic to say the least. So I think that was his mistake on that end of the spectrum. Um, so going from that, let's talk about how he made the comment about working with white people and other people outside of the community. I agree with that. I agree that there's no issue at all whatsoever in working with people outside of your ethnic community or whatever community you hail from. As long as you have the same goals in mind as the other people that you are collaborating with, that is the main goal. If your focus is singular, that is the main goal. If you guys are working for the betterment of whatever project you're working on that may benefit your social community or your whatever, whatever project you're working on, if it benefits the greater good, then there is no problem at all in collaborating with people who are outside of your community. Perfect example, you look at someone like, or you look at the cast and crew of Black Panther. You had Ryan Coogler as a, as a director, and then you had uh, Ludwig Göransson as the composer for the score for the film. And what happened, it turned out to be arguably the biggest film of the year, and it, and it racked up a ton of uh, Oscar nominations, including for Ludwig for Best Score in the film. And those two in particular have worked together on multiple projects. They've worked together on Black Panther. They've worked together on Creed. And they work together on Fruitvale Station as well. So it shows you that there's nothing wrong with working 
with people who are outside of the community as long as as it's for the greater good for whatever you're trying to for whatever um, medium medium you're trying to benefit. So there's no issue with that. Only issue I would take with what he said was when he says something to the extent of joining the winning team. Now that can be seen as problematic as well, in the sense where you're almost giving up some sort of agency in order to secure yourself a better vict or a better chance of victory, rather than working hard uh, towards uh, earning victory with whatever situation that you're currently in. It, it, it's almost like, and it, it kind of goes to the point of why there are people out there who are mad that, let's say, for example, I'm going to sports with Kevin Durant, for example, joining the Golden State Warriors when they were already a winning squad that didn't necessarily need him per se. So I can understand from that context as well. And it's almost as if to say, um, and I don't know if he meant that in this particular context, but it's almost as if to say that black people are on a sinking ship. They should hop on the white ship because that's, that's the one that's going to stay afloat. I think that's how many people interpreted that quote right there. And I think that's where, again, he messed up on. And he really needs to be careful with what words or what phrases he's, he decides to use within his verbiage, because that, again, sounds very problematic. It almost sounds as if it stems from some sort of self-hate issue, or whatever the case may be. Not saying that that's the case, but I'm just saying it comes across as such. So I think that's where he kind of needs to really step back for a moment and say to himself, is this the right turn of phrase that I should be using right now? Is this the proper context in which it should be used right now? Should I even say that at all? So again, that's another thing that he really needs to be cognizant of in that type of scenario. And then he also mentioned, and I'm just kind of going through my notes right now, uh, he also said that black people should learn to get over things. This is arguably the most problematic statement that, he's, that, that he made during that whole uh, Instagram video rant. And notice I'm saying the word problematic a lot, but for good use and for good reason. Here's the thing. He's a little, he's almost 50-50 on what he's saying. Hear me out now. On one end, there are people within the black community, and I'm not saying all people, I'm not even saying a majority of people, but there are people nonetheless who will use a struggle, whether it's slavery, whether it's social economics, whether it's racial profiling, whatever the case may be, there are people who will use those types of things that have disenfranchised black people in North America for the longest time and use that as, as somewhat of a crutch as to why they're not getting ahead in life without even finding or putting in the effort to find a resolution or solution to whatever issues that they're going through. And whatever issues they're going through may not even correlate to any of those issues that black people have faced. So... Again, I don't know if he was speaking in that context, but if he was, cool. If he wasn't, then maybe he should further explain that the way I'm explaining it right now. But there are black individu individuals, some, don't know the numbers, of course, but there are some, that, at the very least I can say, that will use those issues and compound them as, a, as an excuse as to why they haven't been successful in their career path or whatever the case may be, without putting in any legitimate amount of work in, or craft into what they're doing, they'll just use that as a pile on scapegoat. However, on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are many people in the black community who fight against those stigmas. They fight against socioeconomics. They fight against 
uh, racial profiling. They, they fight against stereotypes in general that hold the black community as a whole backwards. They fight against it on a, constant, on a consistent basis. And when that happens, and you're telling those same people who do that to let things go or to get over it, when it's still continually happening and they're still continuing to fight against it, that is very problematic because it shows that you lack empathy and it shows that you have a very very narrow-minded uh, viewpoint of where that person is coming from and what experiences that they've gone through as well. So that's a, unfortunately another place in where he messed up. And I feel like with him and who he is and the introspectiveness that you hear within his music, I feel like he should know better. Now, far be it for me to know if, if he's politically inclined or, or whatever the case may be. I don't know. I don't know this person outside of the music. Uh, all I can say is this. When it comes to Caesar, I think he needs to spend some time to share dialogue with other people of, of the black community. So whether it's people who are in the music space, people who are in the political space, people who are in the socioeconomic space, share ideas back and forth. Because I'm not sure what his upbringing was like. I don't know if, as a black child, he was chastised by other people within the black community. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. Maybe he grew up in a multicultural setting like I did as well. But for these types of statements to come out and the way they came out, there has to be some sort of dialogue to be exchanged. To be exchanged. I don't know what the deal is with him. And I'm not here to, to bastardize him or to chastise him or anything like that. I'm just basically stating out the facts as far as why people reacted the way they did and what type of backlash it has caused since then. Now, I don't think we should be in the position to say, let's cancel him. He's canceled. No, we're not going to do the cancel culture thing. And cancel culture, as we all know, is very inconsistent because if this guy puts out a hit, an EP, or an LP that just blows everyone out of the water... Every, all those people who are, who are saying cancel are going to be back on his jock. We're not saying cancel. But I will say, and I am saying right now, that there should be dialogue exchange between him and certain individuals from these different types of backgrounds. And just explain to him why people reacted the way they did and how it came across. I'm not asking for a grand apology. I mean, that's his prerogative if he wants to do so. But I think he needs to understand why people were so passionately upset about it. And, and it's ironic because not too long before this situation, uh, he was in the same room as Dave Chappelle, and somebody asked him about his opinion on Daniel Caesar, and the first thing that Dave Chappelle said, I thought he was gay, or something to that extent. And then Daniel Caesar came on camera and sat right beside him and said that he felt a bit offended, but then it said, nah, it's cool. And then Dave Chappelle said, oh, I feel bad now. He's like, no, no, don't feel bad, man. Don't feel bad. So it's a little ironic that that happened to you. And then you're saying this about, you know, people in the community as a whole. And far be it for me to know. Maybe he's putting out an apology. I don't know yet. But I haven't heard anything since then. But you're telling people to get over it and and join the winning team and things of that, of that nature. So, again, just... Be careful with the verbiage that you're using. Be careful of the way you're explaining things. And to say, hey, guys, I'm drunk, I'm drunk, I'm drunk. I'm sorry, but when I hear things like I'm drunk, to me, in any scenario, I don't care what it is, whether it's him or whether it's Post Malone saying I'm drunk, I think that's a cop-out. 
I think that's a cop out in a sense where you now get to say things with no filter and don't feel any type of need to feel apologetic about what you say going forward once that statement I'm drunk has been made or I was drinking. Just own up to what you say and let everything play out, but understand at the same time that whatever you may say may have consequences that come with them as well. And I think that he should be prepared to face those consequences if they happen to come around. Again, not chastising this man, but at the same time, I think he needs to know where he messed up. But do you agree? Do you disagree? Hit me up on all social media platforms at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. After the break, we have to get into the merger with Fox and Disney, Lee Daniels, and Jordan Peele. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back after this. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. Now, let's get into Trip Talk, all right? Three of the hop- hottest topics that took place within the week that was. And with that said, let's get to it. So, first topic we gotta get to. We gotta talk, uh, talk about my man, Jordan Peele. So, Jordan Peele, uh, who is famously known for directing the film Get Out, is now releasing another film that we already know. Uh, it's entitled Us. Us is on pace to break the record that Get Out made in terms of sales. So it wasn't not necessarily a record per se, but it's essentially on point to outsell Get Out uh, based on the first returns and what have you. And I think it's a really good look for him because not only is he further establishing himself as a creative, as a director and a producer, but he is now filling in a void where black actors I've never really operated within in terms of prominence, and that's the horror genre. And for me personally, I'm not a fan of the horror genre, not because of the lack of black faces in there or how they're or how they're misrepresented within horror, but mainly because of the fact that of two things actually. I find them grossly uh, predictable and I also find them gross as well. Like sometimes people be slashing like the throats and taking out the Adam's apple and like all this like sadistic stuff. Like to this day, for example, I have never watched Saw. Not Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, 5,000. No, I haven't watched any of the Saw movies because the amount of horror and everything, it's, it's too much. It's way too much. So, with that said, going back to the point about uh, black people operating with, or black actors operating within the horror genre, I think it's a good look. And Get Out, Get Out was more of like a, a suspense thriller with horror elements. Us, from what I am being told and the reviews that I'm kind of hearing snippets of, it is downright horror. They go into the horror genre, and there's like a psychology with it as well. I haven't seen it. I almost want to see it because I want to see how this horror movie differs from other horror films. Also, I'm in the mindset of potentially gathering theories that it is part of a shared universe that is connected with Get Out. So kind of like what Marvel is doing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I feel like Jordan Peele could potentially be doing the same thing with these two films that he's released thus far. On top of that, he could potentially do what M. M. Night Shyamalan tried to do with with, uh, Sixth Sense and and Break and and what have you. So, going going back to my point about how with black people operating in certain spaces and what have you, normally... In a horror movie, the black person is usually the first first one to die, or the black person is usually in 
the confines of the quote-unquote white world, essentially. In this movie, you do see other cultures and races, like, based on the trailers and what have you, but primarily, it's four actors who are the main actors who just so happen to be black as well. Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Winston Duke, and the two children as well. I don't know the names, I apologize. Uh, but I think it's a good look to see leading black faces in a horror film, because it shows that black people aren't just the stereotypical gangbangers in films. They're not playing slaves in films. They're not the the subject of black plight. They're they're not the dancer who's trying to save money to save the the direct center, like et cetera, et cetera. It shows that black actors can operate in different spaces outside of the stereotypical norm, which is why I think right now, especially within this decade, that we're part of a black renaissance in film and television. A lot of people will say that that was the case back in the 90s, which I agree to a certain extent, but I think now, in the 2010s, more than ever in my opinion. Like, we're seeing we're seeing like black horror movies, we're seeing... Black romantic comedies. Not that we haven't seen them before, but these ones are a bit more realistic. We're seeing uh, black actors in sports-related shows that kind of tell you about the business of sport. And then we have black actors starring in shows that kind of deal with the supernatural as well as in movies. I mean, we have Luke Cage, we have Black Lightning, we have Black Panther, we have the movie Dope, which is somewhat of an urban drama, but it takes it to a different level because it talks about what it is, what it's like for the black person who doesn't, who didn't grow up with those black stereotypes. It also talks about the fraudulent education system within America. Like, there's so many ways to go with it as far as the black renaissance is concerned, and I think this is the time to be alive if you are... A, a movie and TV buff, if you're a black creative within the, the, the world of film and cinema, this is the time to be alive. This is the renaissance period. We are in the prime of black creativity, and I'm loving every single minute of it. So I'm just happy that a movie like this is coming out. Even though it's not even my genre, I'm just happy for it. And again, I almost kind of want to see this movie. I might go see it on a Tuesday night because, you know, it's cheap night. But I'm definitely happy for Jordan Peele. He's basically made a name for himself once again, not only just as a comedian, but as a filmmaker and a, and a director. And I can't wait to see what other projects he may have lined up going forward. But I do believe that we are in the renaissance of black film and television, and it's a beautiful thing. But what do you guys think? Do you agree with that? Do you disagree? Either way, hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC to share your thoughts. Now, speaking of black cinema being so high... In this black renaissance that we're having, we're going to talk about a show that's kind of on the opposite end of that. And we're talking about the show Empire and its creator, Lee Daniels. So Lee Daniels uh, went on social media to basically give his opinion on the whole Jesse Smollett situation and how he's been feeling about it. Because up until now, he's been pretty silent about it. He hasn't really given any details as to how he's feeling about the situation, what happened, why Jesse did what he did, or if he'll be appearing, and by he I mean Jesse Smollett, if he'll be appearing on Empire going forward. But essentially, this is what he said on a social media post, and I quote, These past couple of weeks have been a freaking roller coaster. We have, me and my cast, have experienced pain and anger and sadness and frustration and really don't know how to deal with it. So even though he doesn't mention uh, Justice Smollett in name, it's almost obvious that he is talking about that. Because he's either talking about that or he's talking about the ratings dip that the show took. 
And, you know, per uh, article by Complex, uh, they said, and I quote, the most recent episode of Lee Daniels and Danny Strong's Empire, this week's Clement Virgo directed in Loving Virtue, bagged the lowest ratings in the show's history. The episode premiered March 20th and scored a 1.1 rating in the 18 to 49 demographic with just under 4 million viewers. All told, the show fell 11% in the ratings and 10% in total viewership when compared with last week's episode, which itself showed a drop in overall viewership. The series' previous ratings low was a 1.2 rating with 4.2 million viewers back in 2018. So, when it comes to the drop in ratings, it could, a portion of it could uh, play and roll because of the controversy involving Smollett. But more, more specifically, I think it's because of the fact that the show's just not that good. It's not that good of a show. I stopped watching that show probably in 2015. I think it started in 2014. And I just stopped watching it a year after just because everything was so mundane. It was very predictable. It just kind of played out like cheap drama at the end of the day. And I'm not about that. Like I kind of liken it to what Tyler Perry does with his films. And it's just not good television. It's very soap opera-ish, but soap opera-ish on the next level. Like I'll never forget the episode where uh, Lucius Lyon, Terrence Howard's character, goes is in prison and then goes into a closet with cleaning equipment with a few inmates. And out of nowhere, they, they happen to create a makeshift studio. Someone's banging, you know, pots and pans together, and someone's banging on a table for a beat. And I'm like, guys, really? Really? So I I want to blame this on Smollett. He has played a part in it, no doubt, but it's all because it's not a good show. It's really I'm I'm even surprised that this show is still on television. And I think with the amount of drama that's in this show, it's just over the top. And I just feel like people aren't interested in that. Like, if they want an escape, like a wacky escape, and they want to do the most in order to get that escape, then sure, I can understand why they want to watch it. Or if they want to laugh at bad television, I can see why they would they would want to watch that as well. But as a whole, this is a bad show overall. So I'm not surprised that the range went down at all. I, I'm surprised that they're still afloat, to be honest. But that's just my take on it. Uh, but what do you guys think about the story? Again, hit me up on social media at CC. And the final topic I want to get into before we get before we close out the show is uh, the Fox Disney merger. Now, for some people who may or may not be aware, Disney purchased uh, twenty what twenty 21st Century Fox. Sorry, I thought it was 20th Century Fox, but 21st Century Fox for a whopping seventy one billion dollars. So they made the purchase. I believe it was last year. And the purchase has now been finalized. So everything's official. So anything that is within the 21st Century Fox umbrella is now owned by Disney. So that includes The Simpsons, Family Guy, uh, all the Alien movies, all the Predator movies, etc., etc. All that is now under the House of Mouse. So a lot of people are speculating, you know, what does that mean for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Because a lot of movies... Uh, or sorry, a, a, a few properties that belong to Marvel were being produced by 20th Century Fox, 21st Century Fox, um, as far as uh, television and film is concerned. Most notably, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. And now people are speculating that those brands will now be returning to Marvel as far as film is concerned within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And people are speculating, you know, when will we see these projects come to life? 
And a lot of people are speculating that it will be in 2021. Um, there will be an announcement about this next year at San Diego Comic-Con, because that's usually where all the big announcements are being made as far as uh, TV and film is concerned. And just like what Kevin Feige did, the producer of Marvel Studios, just like what he did back in, I think, 2013 or 2014 when he unveiled Phase 2 and Phase 3 as far as the projects that they're going to be working on, he's going to be doing the same thing for the remainder of Phase 4 when that happens to come about. So far, all we know is that we already know that Captain Marvel has been released, Avengers Infinity War is a month away, uh, and then we have Spider-Man... Um, Spider-Man Far From Home coming in July. And then next year, we don't really know officially what's coming out next year, but rumors and reports are surfacing that Black Widow will be having her own standalone movie next year, as well as The Eternals, which are cosmic characters that may play into the overall Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. So that may come into play next year. And then for 2021, we don't know what's going to happen in 2021. But a lot of people are speculating that Black Panther 2 will be coming out in 2021 since that would be the three-year mark since the first Black Panther film came out. And potentially, the X-Men may, may come out as well. But the only reason why none of these details are being revealed is because it may spoil the ending of Avengers Endgame. We don't know what's going to happen in the Endgame. It may lead to some Easter eggs and clues as to what may be coming out in the future. And that's what people are speculating. Me personally, if not even if, but when they introduce the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think the first person that should be seen on film or seen in a film should be Storm. And she be she should be seen in Black Panther two. That's just com that's just a comic book nerd to me saying that because they are well they were a married couple back in the comics. So I would love to see that play out on screen. Sorry, Nakia, we're just doing it for the culture here. <laughs> but I would love to see you know just a small Easter egg like that being planted in the movie before we get into the main X Men movies because X Men movies X Men movies are still being made and still being released. And so I think we need a little bit of a reprieve from that before we go into the MCU version of the X-Men. But either way, I'm a Marvel head. I'm a superhero head in general. I'm here for it. I'm all the way here for it. And I think it's going to be a good look for the superhero movie culture, essentially, and television culture as well. But anyways, what do you guys think about that? I'm hyped up for it. I'm stoked. Avengers Endgame is going to be lit. I know that for a fact. I'm going to get my tickets as soon as, they're on, uh, as, soon as they are released. But nonetheless... Again, hit me up on social media and let me know what your thoughts are on that. Once again, Cool Radio CC. And now it's time for the final portion of tonight's show. With that being said, I will not keep you guys waiting any longer. <clears throat> Pardon me. Who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Wangster of the Week. And it goes a little something like this. This week's Wankster of the Week it goes to an individual by the name of Alan Maloney. Now, if you don't know that name or if that name sounds relatively unfamiliar to you, this is the person who masqueraded as a ref, and I say masqueraded because he did his job poorly, uh, who told a black wrestler at an amateur wrestling uh, tournament in Minnesota, I believe, uh, he told a young black wrestler to cut off his dreadlocks if he were to compete in the final match. So, obviously, there's there's some racial connotation to that. And he caught a lot of flack for that, and rightfully so. And because he's been catching a lot of flack, he has been 
suspended by the committee, I guess, and has basically lost out on earnings because he's no longer being booked for referee matches. And because of that, he is now suing for defamation of character as well as pain and suffering. That is why I'm giving him the Wangster of the Week. And I always find it ironic that when some white people have done wrong and they can't even realize the fact that they have done wrong and they receive the rightful backlash towards their wrongdoing, the first thing they want to do is make themselves out to be the victim. And that's exactly what this poor excuse of a referee is doing. He's trying to make himself feel as though he's the one that's been victimized and he's the one that's been wronged. But when when you're telling a black individual to cut off their hair in order to remain competing in the competition, then what does that tell you? I'm curious as to why no one told this young individual to cut his hair beforehand if it really, if it really was too long. But you, you wait till the, to the state championships when he's in the final match to secure that win for his school to then tell him that he has to cut his hair? Bullshit. You're a racist individual and you deserve to lose as much money as possible because at the end of the day, you and your racist views are what impacted that boy and his mental well-being. If anything, he should be suing you and your pasty ass for pain and suffering. This guy has a hairline that's jacked up further, further back than Tyga. And that's the reason why he's jealous. That's why he told that young boy to cut his hair. At the end of the day, this guy's wrong. He's wrong and he's a racist and he deserves all the criticism and all the lack of finances that are coming to him because of the fact that he robbed an opportunity from this young man to perform and feel good about his physical well-being as well at the same time. Those dreadlocks probably meant something to him, which is why he's kept him growing up for so long, but you decided to take that away from him. And now the courts and now everyone else is taking what you love so much the most is your career and the money that came with it, and I'm glad they are, and I hope you lose this defamation case because... You are a racist, and you have racist intentions. There's nothing defaming about that. That's exactly what you are. So with that being said, you deserve the Wankster of the Week. Do you deserve it? Of course you do. And you and your shiny, bald, bowling ball-looking head deserve this Wankster drop just like this. And that about does it for tonight's broadcast of the show, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank you guys for tuning in as you normally do on a weekly basis. Make sure you tune in next week because we do have a guest in studio next week. She goes by the name of Sija Lu. She is a broadcaster. So we're going to be talking about a whole lot of basketball and all that good stuff. Make sure you follow all social media groups at Cool Radio CC. And that about does it for another edition of Cool Radio. So as you already know, I'm your man, DM Cool. And Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.